And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we thank you for being part of today's program. We have a great program prepared for you today. Also, our topic is Lost in Lust, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 23. So we hope that you can stay tuned to today's program and share this with your friends and family, those of you that are following us on social media, so that they can follow along with us as well. But before we continue, I'm going to ask my co-host, Nathan Jones, if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you again so much for everybody tuned in who wants to grow in their relationship with you and their understanding of the Bible. Uh, Lord, open up uh, Ezekiel 23 to us so that we may understand what your message is and how we can apply it to our lives today. We thank you in your precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into a Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Vic Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. We thank you for being part of today's program. Again, our topic, Lost in Lust, as we look at Ezekiel chapter 23. And before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host of the program, Nathan Jones. Nathan, great evening or afternoon to you. Hey, happy afternoon to you too, brother. So glad for all of you tuned in to the Truth Will Set You Free the podcast ministry of Lamb and Lion Ministries. So uh, we're glad you tune in, whether you're joined us on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pray.com, or right off our website at Christ and Prophecy. Uh, we're just so happy that you've tuned in. That's right. We do welcome you. And we thank you, everyone, for your prayers and for being part of our program each week. Uh, Nathan, it's like a small family, right? Some, some, some individuals, we don't know them by face. But you and I had opportunities to do some conferences in the past. And some people come up and say, hey, we thank you for, for your podcast or for your programs. And it's always nice to get some feedback. Right, Nathan? Absolutely. And there's even some good folks at our church who listen and regularly comment on our podcast, which is always very encouraging to me. So I'm glad that these could be a blessing to people and uh, that the Lord's used it for this is our 13th year. So <laughs> praise the Lord. I just. I'm, I'm anxious. Uh, each one is getting one podcast closer to Lord's return, right? I love that. That is so true. And maybe for you that maybe you're tuning in for the first time and you're not familiar with the ministry. Nathan, would you be able to share with them what we do and also the resources and how they can get a hold of those? Absolutely. Well, as you know, as I said, you just tune in to The Truth Will Set You Free, the podcast outreach of Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. So, we want to get you excited about what the Bible prophesies. You know, there are 500 prophecies in the Old Testament and one in 25 verses in the New Testament talk about the return of Jesus Christ. So it's one of the most prolific prophecies in the whole Bible. And so that's what we focus on here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, that part of the Bible uh, called eschatology, the study of the end times. So if you'd like to know more, then uh, check out our website at ChristInProphecy.org. We have a wealth of videos, articles, newsletter, social media, Lamb and Lion app you can download, uh, just filled with great content to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, check us out, ChristInProphecy.org. 
Mm, awesome. Thank you so much, Nathan. And yeah, take advantage of these wonderful resources. A lot of wonderful things. Uh, also, some neat things that are happening around the United States of America, Nathan, to encourage the church. We have a mini revival going on. We have some wonderful movies that are, that are coming out to, uh, to uh, encourage people. And that's always nice to have that happening in the United States of America for a change. Yeah, I mean, we're still in the time period of the Asbury Revival, which is spread out to uh, different uh, colleges. And uh, Vic, you've gotten to see that new Chuck Smith movie. Maybe you could tell us a little about it, if it's worth seeing or not. You know, Nathan, yeah, it's actually called The Jesus Revolution, and it's sort of like the life of, of Greg Laurie, but they weave in the movement of Calvary Chapel and how it began and Chuck Smith and the time of the hippies. And I have to say, they did a very good job with the movie. It's, it, it, it's, it brings about your emotion, you laugh, you cry, but then you also get a glimpse of how the Holy Spirit moved in this hippie generation using uh, Calvary Chapel, and not just Calvary Chapel, I want to say it was the work of the Holy Spirit, but the movie really uh, uh, brings about, for those that are not familiar with Calvary Chapel, or Chuck Smith, or Greg Laurie, also how that uh, church movement uh, got started. So it's definitely worth seeing, Nathan. Uh, we don't have many good movies that, I, that we will recommend out there, but this one, I will say, it's really a nice family movie. Uh, that people can go out and and also see how God is just still on on the move, working through people to love people. So definitely uh, one that people would want to go out and support and watch, because the more that we support these movies, especially when they first come out, the more uh, other nicer movies that will keep coming out. Yeah, like uh, Kevin Sorbo's uh, Left Behind movie, the modern remake of Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins' book. That was an excellent movie. I, folks might not know, Vic, that you're a Calvary Chapel pastor, so you know you know a lot about the movement. You know Chuck Smith well, and and so you were able to give a, quite the discerning eye to the movie, so that you're recommending it uh, says a lot. It weighs a lot about how good that movie turned out. Yeah, Nathan, absolutely. I've been with Calvary Chapel uh, or, or over 25 years, and of course we've been pastoring at Calvary Chapel various for like 20 years and, and it is a wonderful movement there's there's also a lot of other wonderful churches out there but i have to say i love the simplicity of calvary chapel uh they're they're um sticking to the word of god the simple things of acts 242 and just going through the word chapter by chapter verse by verse uh not too many bells and whistles but just the things that matter so we're thankful for the calvary chapel movement and for being part of it and hopefully hopefully other people that are not familiar with calvary chapels maybe we'll go and uh and they can check it out and i want to say if you if you watch the movie bring your flip-flops like i did part of the hippie <laughs> movie. <laughs> oh man that kind of predates us but yeah it might be fun to act like our parents generation <laughs> Well, Nate, I have to say, I think some churches are so formal, and sometimes you just want to go to church and relax. And most Calvary chapels, they are. They just relax. You can come as you are. Uh, so it, it's kind of neat to just, you know, if you want to come in flip-flops, why not? So it's kind of fun. Well, that's the kind of mindset we're going to have to have getting in Ezekiel 23, because, uh, you know, in preparation for our discussion of it, it's pretty graphic, uh, talking about two prostitutes and their behavior. So... Uh, folks, if you're uh, real from a stiff church or a stiff background, Ezekiel 23 is going to be a little bit of a challenge for you. But bear in mind that this is the Lord speaking through Ezekiel. So it's uh, the Bible. He wants us to read it. And, and so Vic and I don't uh, shy away from the hard passages, do we? 
Well, Nathan, people go out these days and they watch graphic movies. They watch rated R movies. Unfortunately, even people in the church, PG movies with all this content. Well, once in a while, the Bible will throw at you a little bit of PG in some almost rated R uh, situations in terms of the content. So we do not shy away because it is the word of God. And and, uh, God oftentimes want people to see the reality of sin, the reality of lust, the reality of the flesh. And chapter 23 paints that, like you said, Nathan, graphic picture of a PG story, if you will. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say PG-13. <laughs> yes, exactly. PG-13. So, Nathan, the, the, the wonderful thing is that as we look at chapter 23, it's almost one that sort of explains itself. Really, as we simply read through it, the story uh, uh, really sort of explains itself. So it's one that we probably won't need much commentary other than kind of read it. And hopefully individuals can follow along with us and see what's going on here. So Nate, will you be able to open it up for us there in verses one through five, and I'll do verses uh, six through 10 in case someone doesn't have a Bible. Okay. Uh, How about I end at four? Because there's two separate thoughts here. One through four is one sister and five through 10 is the other sister. How does that sound? That sounds great. So you're giving me an extra verse. You're giving me more work today. Yeah, there you go, brother. But I'll, I'll do a little <laughs> extra. I'll read the, at least in my Bible, in the New King James, it gives a title to this section called the Two Harlot Sisters. And, you know, a harlot is a prostitute. So uh, verses one through four, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, son of man, or Ezekiel, there are two were two women, the daughters of one mother, and they committed harlotry in Egypt. They committed harlotry in their youth. Their breasts were their embrace, and their virgin bosom was their pressed. Their names, Ahola and the elder, and Aholabah, her sister. They were mine, and they bore sons and daughters. As for their names, Samaria is Ohala, and Jerusalem is Ohabah. Mm, verse 5, Ohala played the harlot even though she was mine, and she lusted for her lovers neighboring Assyrians who were clothed in purple, captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses, thus she committed her holiday with them, all of them choice men of Assyria, and with all for whom she lusted, with all their idols, she defiled herself. She has never given up her harlotry uh, brought from Egypt. For in her youth, they laid in her, pressed with her bosoms and poured out their immorality upon her. Verse nine, therefore I have delivered her unto the hands of her lovers, unto the hands of the Assyrians for whom she lusted. They uncovered her nakedness, took away her sons and daughters, and slew her with the sword. She became a byword among women, for they had executed judgment on her. Wow, Nathan, you're not kidding. That's a powerful passage. It is, it is. And it's pretty obvious that the Lord is using uh, prostitutes as an example of the northern ten tribes, which uh, was headquartered in Samaria, their capital was Samaria, and then the southern tribes is the younger sister, Jerusalem and Judah and uh, the other tribe, Benjamin. And so here we've got uh, uh, the Ovala, which is her own tabernacle, is what it means, and the whole Ilaba. I'm probably mangling these names, but they're a little difficult. Is <laughs> my tabernacle is in her? So uh, here are these names that the Lord has given. Uh, to represent the northern tribes of Samaria in the north, or what was called the nation of Israel. And then in the south, the nation of Judah is the younger sister. But either way, both of them are considered prostitutes, both physically 
and that they committed harlotry with the neighboring countries instead of keeping themselves pure. The Lord had said that the, the Hebrew people were supposed to marry among themselves and keep them pure. But also, uh, this harlotry is an imagery that we've seen earlier in the book of Ezekiel that points to spiritual harlotry. They were supposed to be betrothed in a spiritual sense to God, and uh, they betrayed him constantly by chasing after foreign gods. Idolatry was rampant amongst the people. And so as we've read already, the northern tribes, Sumerian 722, the Assyrians who they had uh, gone out and, and made relationships with, both politically and physically, ends up turning on them and, and conquering the Israel, uh, the 10 tribes, and taking them away and spreading them throughout the world. I mean, the Jewish people and the northern tribes could be found today genetically in Afghanistan and, and all the way into India and China. And, and you know, they were spread out never to, to come back, except we do know in the book of Revelation, the Lord will bring uh, representatives of those 12 tribes back to Israel again. So he hasn't lost who they are. But uh, yeah, because of their harlotry, they were sent away and exiled by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And so now at the context that Ezekiel is giving this message, it's now time for Judah to be exiled to Babylon. And so this is God's message to the people of Judah that because of their harlotries, both spiritual and physical, they will be exiled. Mm -hmm. Excellent, Nathan. And, and I love this because there's some wording in here that I believe also applies to us as a warning. How did it start out? Where did this all begin? We know that oftentimes sin starts at the heart, right, Nathan? Uh, it enters through our eyes and the things that we lust after. And I love the representation here of the nation of Israel and how they went down. And I think it's also a warning for us as Christians, as American, as a nation, uh, to learn from what we're noticing here in the Bible. See, as we pick up the story there on verse 11, uh, I'll, I'll do verses 11 through 16. Uh, for those of you that don't have a Bible, maybe, Nate, if you would, verses 17 through 21. As we okay. continue uh, looking at the story, but verse 11 says, Now, although her sister Ahoyalab saw this, she became more corrupt in her lust than she, and her harlotry more corrupt than her sister's harlotry. Amazing. She lost it for the neighbors, Assyrians, captains and rulers clothed most uh, gorgeously, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. Then I saw that she was defiled. Both took the same way, but she increased in her harlotry. She she looked at men portrayed on the wall, images of Chaldeans portrayed in vermilion, verse 16, girded with belts around their waist, flowing turbans on their heads, all of them looking like captains in the manner of Babylonians or Chaldeans. Chaldea, the land of their nativity. Uh, okay. 16. As soon as her eyes saw them, she lusted for them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. Then the Babylonians came to her into the bed of love, and they defiled her with their immorality. So she was defiled by them and alienated herself from them. She revealed her harlotry and uncovered her nakedness. Then I alienated myself from her. This is God saying, speaking here. He says, as I had alienated myself from her sister, yet she multiplied her harlotry and calling to remembrance the days of her youth. And when she had played the harlot in the land of Egypt, for she lusted for her paramours, or paramours, her lovers, whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Thus, you called to remembrance the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians pressed your bosom because of your youthful breasts. 
Nathan, like you're saying, that's a lot of details and graphic there, but that, yeah, you know, it, much, it, but yeah, yeah. Israel and, and then later Judah was looking at these powerful nations and they, they loved them and they, you know, they wanted to be like them instead of turning to God for their strength. They turned to these nations, but these nations only wanted to use and abuse them. And isn't that true, man, when it comes to sin, not just nationally, but individually, you know, we, we think that it, sin is fun for a time, but it's only meant to use and abuse us. Satan always has an end to enslave us. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. The first, uh, first the, uh, the country of Israel and then later Judah would both be enslaved to their lusts. There's no getting around the fact that our lusts will destroy us. They might be fun at first, but eventually they destroy us. And, and God's trying to make this point over and over and over and again in the Bible. He's saying, people, you are settling for not second, but third, fourth, fifth hand best, and it's going to destroy you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me. I am life. I, you know, it won't. The love we have will not destroy you. The love you have for the world will destroy you. And that's Israel was a fantastic example of that because of their sins. We get to see them be destroyed, and we learn from something, right, Vic? We're supposed to learn from them. Well, Nathan, yeah, and not only that, but I think it's also a, a, a warning for, for the church and, and in, in Christians in general, because we see that this is the same three-pronged attack of Satan against us. I love what the Bible says in, in the way that John puts it in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And the Bible is clear. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So Nathan, exactly like you said it, you know, the, there are certain things that are going to destroy you. The enemy uses these things, and there are so many people giving in uh, to the lust of the flesh. And it's hard today, Nathan, because everywhere you turn, we're just bombarded with lustful images and movies and things to pull us away from the things of the Lord. Well, the very first two commandments of the Ten Commandments is God first and no idols. <laughs> That's exactly what these people did. They put they, they put God not even second, but last, and they put idols ahead of them. They adopted all the idols, all the foreign gods around them. So when God says, you know, they lusted after the Egyptians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians, it wasn't just physical. It was they chased after idolatrous gods. They worshiped Marduk and Baal and Ashtra and all these other false gods who are demons. I mean, these people turn away from the true God to chase after demons. And they might think that it was wonderful that they were becoming like their nations. But the surrounding nations were only using Israel to eventually plunder and destroy them. And so we're about near 586 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, the most powerful nation at the time, is coming down and besieging Jerusalem. And uh, so for all of Israel and Judah sucking up to these foreign powers, in the end, these powers are going to turn around and destroy them and strip them bare. And that's exactly what we're reading here. And the Lord's using this imagery to, you know, the Lord is the master storyteller. And so he uses imagery that will stick in our minds and help us understand the point. And when we think of two prostitutes chasing after worldly lusts to only be turned around and destroyed, that sticks better in our head. And he said, well, Judah's chasing after idols. You know, it, it helps us understand the story better and hopefully then 
apply it to our own lives better. Nathan, that's true. You know, today, uh, uh, today's sin is rampant everywhere amongst men and women. Oftentimes, we uh, we like to uh, picture only men as the lustful ones, oftentimes after the things of, of the flesh or women. But here, it's interesting how they portray these as women lusting after these men, if you will. And, and again, as we mentioned earlier, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, it affects all of us if we're not careful. We all need to be led and under the Holy Spirit's guidance, under his protection. If we leave ourselves open to the flesh, then we're going to find ourselves really committing the same hideous sins that these nations were capable of. And, and sometimes it's easy, right, Nathan, for us to say, oh, that was back then. It's different now. But no, the world that we live in today, we see so much of the life of the flesh affecting our nations. Oh, yeah. I I have to go back to the Muppets take Manhattan where Kermit was talking to a restaurant owner and the restaurant owner says, peoples are peoples. And that's always stuck <laughs> in my head because it's true. It's like, it doesn't matter if it was a person 6,000 years ago or living now, people are always going to be people. They're always going to have the same struggles and, and trials and tribulations that the technology and the culture and the clothes and the food might be a little different, but peoples are peoples. And so the struggles that the people had in the Bible are the same struggles we have today. So we can learn and we're meant to learn from the Bible in order so that we stay focused on the Lord. God first, no idols. I love that. And the simplicity of the Ten Commandments, Nathan, all these things that was the Jewish people. I mean, they had this. They were supposed to pass on these uh, wonderful traits to others. And instead, like you said, they got polluted by putting their eyes on the things of the world around them. And rather than being salt and light, they became part of the pollution of the world and wanted to lust after the things of the world. And again, what a lesson uh, for us here to look at. And maybe you're part of this program today and maybe you finding yourself struggling in that area with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Maybe you have been caught in the pit trap, in the in, in the pitfalls of the enemy. The wonderful thing is that God loves you. He has a plan for you and he has provided a way of escape. And that is through our relationship with Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's always hope, even though the story here is one that is challenging, one that uh, is a little bit strong. Uh, sometimes we just need to present it in that way, right, Nathan? Because there's individuals that they really need to recognize uh, what sin is all about. Yeah, and it's interesting the way this passage also portrays Egypt, Babylon, and Assyria. I mean, it shows that they are desirable nations. Uh, you know, the men are like, you know, it shows that they're the best clothes and they're the strongest and, you know, they're they're incredible lovers and you know, they make women swoon. You know, that's the kind of imagery there. So not only is Judah and Israel being compared to as prostitutes, uh, they're probably lovely ones, but ones that are totally unfaithful. But these nations are appealing. And, and isn't that the true about sin? Sin seems appealing. It seems beautiful. It seems tempting. It seems desirous. It seems temporarily fulfilling. But, you know, it's like a, a deck of cards. You take one card off. It's only two dimensional. There's nothing to it. Once you get past the beauty, it's just it equals death. And that's what God is really trying to warn us here, is that the, the destruction that both Israel and Judah will experience is like for us as well. Sin will destroy us. We, as long as we have sin in our lives and we're not saved, we're destined to eternal destruction and hell. And God is using Israel and Judah as he's giving the analogy of prostitutes and lovers 
as Israel and Judah themselves become an analogy to our lives. And not that I'm spiritualizing scripture, but the Lord's meant us to understand that illustration so that we apply it to our lives and say, hey, our sin is going to destroy us just like it destroyed Judah back then, unless we repent and turn to God. Unfortunately, as, as we'll read throughout Ezekiel, these people aren't repenting and turn to God, and they won't even do so until we get up to Ezekiel chapter 39, which is still future to us. So uh, I, I'm excited to get to those chapters. we got to just get past these hard chapters first, right, Vic? Well, Nathan, yeah, but and it's absolutely sometimes people don't count the cost. Like you said, sin seems fun uh, and the enemy uh, puts that carrot in front of you and, and you don't consider the cost. But as we look at verses 22 through 27 very quickly, we will notice here the downfall, what begins to happen uh, here as we continue uh, looking at this passage. Uh, verse 22 uh, through verse uh, 25 uh, or actually, Nathan, will you mind doing verses 25 and 27, and I'll do 22 and 24 in case someone doesn't have a Bible? Okay. Yeah, but he says, therefore, Ahoyalab, thus says the Lord, behold, I will stir up your lovers against you from whom you have alienated yourself, and I will bring them against you from every side, the Babylonians, all the Chaldeans, Pakal, Shua, Koa, all the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, governors and rulers, captains, men of renown, all of them riding on horses. Verse 24, and they shall come against you with chariots, wagons, and war horses. With a horde of people, they shall array against you, buckle, shield, helmet all around. I will delegate judgment on them, and they shall judge you according to their judgments. Picking up in verse 25, I will set my jealousy against you, and they shall deal furiously with you. They shall Remove your nose and your ears, and your remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take your sons and your daughters, and your remnant shall be devoured by fire. They shall also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewelry. Thus I will make you cease your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt, so that you will not lift your eyes to them, nor remember Egypt anymore. Mm. What a price to pay, right, Nathan? I mean, here they probably never thought of what was coming and how this passage declares, again, the casualty and not only that, but the price people pay uh, for serving sin. And it's interesting that it says here that uh, they shall remove your nose and your ears. Uh, that's not analogy. The uh, When the uh, Syrians, who were horrifically cruel, but also the Babylonians, would come and, and exile a people, often they would disfigure them so that they were known that they were captives. A, a similar analogy, I guess you could say, is if you ever watched the Hunger Games movies uh, that or read the books, the Avoxes, they were slaves who had their tongues removed so they couldn't speak. And everyone would know an who an Avox is because they couldn't speak. Well, they would uh, put a like a hook through the nose of the people, strip them naked, uh, chain them up and march them for hundreds of miles to captivity. So likely their noses and their ears were ripped off or damaged. And so if you're also a, a prostitute, your body is your livelihood. Well, all of a sudden you're so disfigured, people find you repulsive. That will end your harlotry. Nobody would want you. And that's what God's saying here is I'm going to end your harlotry. So no pagan nation will want you uh, today. Who are the most despised people in the world? It's the Jewish people. God has put a mark on them so that they will continue to depend on God instead of depending on the nations of the world. Uh, you know, many Jews are secular humanists and they try to be accepted the world, but 
they have, if I could call that that stench or that that uh, aura of Judaism on them that makes them repulsive to the world. Not I'm not saying Jews are repulsive. I love the Jewish people, but but the world hates the Jewish people, and it's a supernatural hatred because it doesn't make any sense. And so God wants to keep them separate from the world, and he does so by constantly putting them under persecution. So this prophecy, a lot of the aspects of it uh, go even till today. Nathan, what an amazing segue. And of course, we hope that for those that just tune into the program will recognize that's what's going on here as we're looking at Ezekiel chapter 23. Uh, it's a hard passage, but it's also a great lesson for us to grab hold of that we don't have to go through these things. We don't have to uh, go through uh, these sufferings, if you will. And that's why Jesus Christ died at the cross, was to set men and women free, those that will turn to him. And listen, if that's you, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, we want to give you an opportunity right now to turn to Christ wherever you are, to repent so the judgment of God will not be upon you. And the Bible says simply by calling on the name of the Lord, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 3, 16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And if you want more information on how to start the relationship with the Lord, reach out to us, 305-992-9537 or here at Christ in Prophecy. We would love to give you more information regarding how you can start the relationship with Jesus. But you can simply do so even right now by turning from your sins, repenting and asking God to come into your heart. And he will do just that when you call on the name of the Lord. So, Nathan, again, a hard passage, but one that needed to be shared so that individuals will see how how God operates against those heathen nations. But also God is working with these people. He's going to restore them and God has a plan for them at the end. So, Nate, it's amazing how a program just we ran out of time for this other segment of the program. It's, it's just fun, though, the way that you and I go through this. Yeah, only 30 seconds left. The Bible's just filled with information. So God bless you both. Guys, stay pure to the Lord. He is the one and only true God. Amen. Again, Vic Batista, Nathan Joseph, goodbye to the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful week.